AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to episode 79 of AFF On Air. It's the 5th of March, 2022. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you might remember that I spoke to Phil Hawkins, then the Chief Operating Officer at Flybys back in 2020. Well, Phil's now retired, but given his long career in loyalty programs, he does know a thing or two about how the industry works and what goes on behind the scenes at loyalty programs. So I've invited Phil on again this episode for a chat about his career at Flybys and some of the interesting lessons he's learned along the way, as well as what advice he'd give to someone who's designing or running a loyalty program. I know that many Australians are members of the Flybys program, so I'm sure you'll find the discussion later in this episode interesting. But first, let's begin as always with a roundup of the latest Australian airline travel and loyalty program news from the past fortnight. And firstly, many airlines have had to drastically change their flight paths or cancel routes altogether to avoid Ukrainian and Russian airspace. Following the Russian invasion of Ukraine, several countries including the UK, Canada, the US and the whole of the European Union banned Russian aircraft from using their airspace. Russia responded predictably by also banning those airlines from those countries from using Russian airspace. Now, obviously, this has some pretty far-reaching implications, and it doesn't just affect airlines that normally fly to Russia. Many flights between Europe and Northern Asia, as well as between North America and the Middle East or India, normally fly over Russian airspace, and in fact, doing so saves significant time off the um, duration of the flight. Many airlines have therefore had to adjust their flight paths, adding hours to flight times or cancel routes altogether because they're no longer viable. Airlines like Finnair are particularly affected because Finnair normally utilises Russian airspace to operate short flights to China, Japan and Korea from its hub in Helsinki. Finnair has cancelled flights to all of these countries except for a four-weekly Helsinki to Tokyo Narita flight that will be maintained, albeit with a much longer travel time that removes, unfortunately, the possibility of connecting to or from Melbourne on the same day. Qantas has also been affected, even though it doesn't fly to any destinations in Russia and is not currently banned from using Russian airspace, Qantas has decided to reroute its flights between Darwin and London voluntarily for operational reasons. Now, who knows how this will end, but if the situation is prolonged, we could even see Anchorage re-emerge as a popular hub airport like it was during the Soviet Union times. And hopefully it doesn't come to that, uh, unless, of course, you're a shareholder in Anchorage Airport, that is. Within Australia, though, all internal borders are now finally opened again for the first time since March 2021, when all state borders were open for about a week at that point before they were closed again. Western Australia reopened to the world on Thursday morning, with fully vaccinated people now allowed to travel to WA with a G2G pass and a rapid antigen test after arrival. A special Qantas flight from Sydney was the first quarantine-free flight to land in Perth just after midnight when the border reopened on Thursday morning, followed shortly by a Singapore Airlines flight. Meanwhile, Tasmania has removed its requirement for people arriving in that state to be fully vaccinated, and the Northern Territory has also removed all remaining border requirements. New Zealand has removed self-isolation requirements this week for returning citizens and residents coming from overseas, as that country experiences its worst COVID-19 outbreak since the start of the pandemic. The New Zealand border remains closed to tourists, though, for the time being. 
Qantas has extended its status extension offer for another six months, with Qantas Silver, Gold, Platinum and Platinum One members now now able to get an easy status extension for another 12 months if they have status due to expire between July and December 2022. This offer was previously only available to people with a membership year ending up until uh, June this year. If you live in Australia or New Zealand, you can now get your status extended for another year by booking an eligible Qantas flight by the end of your current membership year for travel any time until the 31st of December this year, and this new booking needs to be made on or after the 28th of February. If you don't live in Australia or New Zealand, your Qantas status will be automatically extended for another year, and you don't need to do anything. If you qualify for this status extension, you can also get some of the status credits you've earned during this current membership year rolled over into your next year. Virgin Australia has not announced any more status extensions recently. These are currently only available with Velocity for members with status expiring up until the end of April this year. But Velocity Frequent Flyer has extended its offer of bonus status credits on all Virgin Australia flights until the end of June. This offer was due to expire at the end of March. You'll continue to get 100% bonus status credits on most paid Virgin Australia economy class flights and 45% bonus status credits on business class until June. But the offer of status credits on Velocity Reward Seat bookings still ends at the end of this month. Singapore Airlines will resume regular flights with passengers to Singapore from Cairns and Darwin from the end of this month. It brings the number of Australian destinations served by Singapore Airlines to seven, and the only destination in Australia that Singapore Airlines at this point has not returned to is Canberra. The Darwin and Cairns flights will be operated by Boeing 737-800s. Both of these routes were served before the pandemic by Silcare, which has since been merged with Singapore Airlines. Meanwhile, Jetstar has just relaunched flights to Honolulu using Boeing 787s, and Qantas plans to resume flights later this month from Sydney to Manila, Brisbane to Singapore and Los Angeles, Darwin to Dili in Timor-Leste, and Sydney to Bali. Qatar Airways will change the currency of its Privilege Club frequent flyer program from Q-Miles to Avios at the end of this month. Avios is the currency used by the frequent flyer programs of British Airways, Iberia, Aer Lingus and Voiling. All Qatar Privilege Club members will have their Q-Miles converted to Avios at a one-to-one rate at the end of this month and no changes to redemptions have been announced yet. Alaska Airlines Mileage Plan is offering discounts off award flight redemptions on Fiji Airways between Australia, New Zealand or Fiji and Honolulu, Los Angeles or San Francisco, which are available for booking until the end of this month. Discounts are available on both economy and business class redemptions and you would need to travel by November 2022 to use it. However, before you get too excited, Fiji Airways business class award availability over to um, Los Angeles and San Francisco is pretty limited at the moment. Etihad Airways is running a neat competition where 100 Australians will win a free trip to Abu Dhabi for themselves and a plus one at the start of next month. Entries close on the 8th of March for the Big Australia Celebration Competition, and if you enter, you'll also get 1,000 free Etihad guest miles. And there's been a nasty change to the Australian Government's Tourist Refund Scheme, or TRS, which will make it a lot less useful to Australians. With the TRS, you can claim back the goods and services tax, or GST, or the wine equalisation tax, on items bought in Australia within 60 days prior to leaving the country. The items need to be worth at least $300. 
and you need to show the physical items and receipts at the TRS office when you're at the airport. Previously, it was also possible to bring these items back into Australia at the end of your trip, up to the duty-free concession of $900 per person. But if you return to Australia with items that you've previously claimed a GST refund on, you will now need to declare these when you return to the country and repay the tax in full, even on items worth less than the duty-free concession of $900. So claiming through the TRS is now a bit pointless if you'll be bringing the, uh, the item eventually back into Australia. And this creates a weird incentive now just to shop overseas rather than buying from a local Australian business if you'll be travelling abroad. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. Want to learn how to maximise the value in Frequent Flyer programs? If you're new to the Frequent Flyer Points game, or perhaps you'd like to perfect your travel hacking strategy, you may be interested in the Frequent Flyer training program offered by our sister website, Frequent Flyer Solutions. The Frequent Flyer Solutions training consists of 10 easy-to-follow online courses with topics including credit cards, earning, buying and redeeming points, airline status, hotel and supermarket loyalty programs, and how to find cheap flights. If you don't have hours to sift through online forums, the training explains clearly all of the tricks and strategies you need to know to make the most of your frequent flyer points and loyalty programs. For more information, visit frequentflyer.com.au. Phil Hawkins has worked in loyalty programs since 1993 and was most recently the Chief Operations Officer at Flybys in Australia. Regular listeners of this podcast may recall that I spoke to Phil previously in episode 47 back in October 2020, where we had a chat about all things Flybys. Recently, Phil retired, but after a long and distinguished career working in loyalty programs, he has more than a few insights into how they work and what makes a great loyalty program. And to have a chat about it, Phil joins me again now. Welcome back to AFF On Air. Thanks, Matt. Good to be with you. Now, I realise that this is a probably a pretty broad question to start off the discussion, and I know there's not going to be one right or wrong answer, but if you had to summarise it, what do you think is the secret to an excellent loyalty program? It's a good question. There's probably not a one-line answer, yeah. but there are a few key things, uh, and some of those will have appeared in my recent LinkedIn articles. But an obvious one is uh, keep it simple. Uh, you know, members have a short uh, attention span, and anything that looks like a very complicated formula that you need to do a TAFE course to understand is probably not a good program. Before that question is, I think retailers and other companies need to ask the question, do I really need a loyalty program? Be very careful about the reasons that you uh, enter into that effort. Don't do it for a me too reason. I think another critical success factor for loyalty programs is to be transparent, clear, uh, honest in all of the offers that you make and accurate with those offers so that you uh, are proposing to uh, the loyalty program members something that's genuinely attractive, that doesn't have strings attached. And probably the fourth one is don't lose the data that 
that members have uh, shared with you in trust. And that I suppose that kind of security thing also extends into considerations about privacy. Don't give reasons for members to be scared about what's happening to the data that they trust into your care as a program operator. I want to dig a little bit deeper into that. And um, over the past few months, you've been posting a series of articles on your LinkedIn page describing some of the loyalty moments in your career where you've, um, which have particularly resonated with you. I have to say that some of these insights and learnings have been really interesting and, and quite informative. Like, for example, you talk about the need to use data wisely. And you talked about the day that flybys gave away free money, which was quite interesting. And I, I know that some Australian frequent flyer members uh, took advantage of this particular a promo in 2016 with the dog food. So what happened there? It was really a lesson, Matt, about attention to detail. And the challenge with uh, proposing a promotion that covered a range of products, in this case, dog food products from Coles, where there was uh, a fixed amount of points as the reward, which worked quite okay for the more expensive dog food items but i remember there was one product that the i might have been on special and uh suffice to say you could buy five cans for five dollars uh but for each can you bought flybys would give you three dollars 25 worth of points so you can see the equation there is yeah. uh, crazily attractive and it came about from a lack of t- attention to detail that across a number of products and and possibly bad luck that it wasn't appreciated the product was on special. But the members certainly noticed it and um, uh, per the article it led to quite crazy behaviour, which you might expect it was, you know, it was a mini version of the automatic telemachine, you know, handing out cash to folks. And because there was an unlimited quantity as well that you could buy and get the, the bonus points on, right? Well, that's right. And, you know, that's, that's another element in you know, how to structure offers um, so that the right or the planned activities take place because, you know, with an offer like that, there should be a reasonable limit um, that caters for the family with uh, a number of pets, but not a family with the equivalent of 200 pets, um, <laughs> which was uh, mimicking the, uh, the activity that, that we were seeing. Yeah, if it makes you feel a little bit better, Flybys is not the only program that's had a run on pet food. Um, there was a Woolworths trolley run thread on AFF back in 2012. It's an oldie bit goodie. There was a guy who discovered he could earn 50 Qantas points by buying any Woolworths select product. And he found that the two cheapest products were taco seasoning mix and cat food. And so he went to every single Woolworths supermarket in Adelaide and cleared out their entire stock of taco mix and cat food uh, and earned a huge stack of points in the progress in the process without really spending that much. And to top it off he donated all the cat food to the rspca and claimed as a tax deduction (laughs) so although i i've actually i spoke to him about this recently he never did um use any of the taco seasoning mix he doesn't like tacos and he still has boxes of it in his garage but um it's i guess another example of a of um when designing an offer doesn't exactly go to plan so i guess i want to ask you when designing a promotional offer how do you strike a balance between making sure the offers are attractive and easy to understand for people but also not making them too generous and leaving in loopholes that people pick up i think making the offer attractive enough is is the straightforward bit because as an experienced program operator say for example at flybys you have a good understanding about 
what level of attractiveness needs to be there uh, to make the communication of the offer worthwhile and attention getting. And the reverse is just thinking through the basic you know, elements of, of the offer that, as best as possible, try to avoid the unintended consequences. It's true with any of the large loyalty programs in Australia that once you put the offer out there, it will be pressure tested because there are people, and you'll see a lot of them on your forum, Matt, yep. that put a fine-tooth comb over all of the, of the terms and conditions, and if they see a weakness, they will go for it. And, you know, it's interesting because when we had seen some unintended behaviour, people might rush and say, this is fraud. And, you know, you go to the kind of loss prevention people and they say, well, tell me what they've Tell me what rule they've broken. From the terms and conditions, they've done nothing that's not allowed in the terms and conditions. And so it is a challenge sometimes because after you've lived through one of those incidents like the dog food incident, you don't forget. But, you know, corporate history, how do you document those things into a, you know, a Bible of, well, you know, here are the rules around uh, how to construct promotions. And, you know, it's interesting the, 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 the example you've cited you know, there are probably, you know, four or five global instances of things that went spectacularly wrong. And that's why I quoted the pudding guy in my article. Oh, that's a very famous example in the US. Yeah, which is a famous example. And there's a handful like that, that all have you know, relatively similar components to them that, that, that allowed, you know, unintended cons- consequences. Absolutely. And I mean, obviously, you know, buying dog food as part of an offer that's being promoted is not fraudulent. It's just taking advantage of an offer that's probably a bit more generous than it was intended. But how prevalent is actual loyalty program fraud and like are programs like on the lookout for this? It's a growing topic and it's and it's one that probably year on year gets 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 more and more or more prominent. You know, many years ago when probably, you know, say credit card fraud was at its peak until they got a lot of very good tools to address them. Then you saw a shift away from that to, oh, what else? I wonder what's, what's less well protected. Oh, look at, look at loyalty points. And so, you know, there, there are loyalty fraud consultants. And so it, it is um, something that, it, that you need to be very aware of, and a lot of it is obviously related to um, like security incidents and security concerns. And um, so, yeah, it's probably a bigger topic topic these days than it was, say, five years ago. You talked in um, at the start about why it's a good idea to keep programs simple. In your first loyalty moment that you shared, you talked about when you uh, were in a band and you were buying guitar strings and the offer of, of a free shirt. Do you want to talk about that? I wish I could say that I'm wearing one of those shirts now, and I'm not, but I do have two of the shirts that you still dated, them. dated back to that time. Fantastic shirts. I think one of them I use probably for gardening now. But this was the, the beautiful moment of such a simple program that said, hey, buy a pack of, pack of guitar strings. There's a little bit of little tab on the back. Collect 10 of those tab, tabs, send them back, tick which T-shirt design you want, we'll send you a T-shirt. And it even worked in Australia, given that it was a US you know, guitar uh, string brand. And you know, the psychological impact was so strong that I probably didn't realise this was happening. But I stopped looking at, looking at other brands of strings because I was on that flywheel that says I'm on my way to the next, to the next T-shirt. And so that kept me going for years. 
And had they kept that offer the same, I would have stayed very loyal to that 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 brand of strings. But they started to make it less simple. First of all, they charged postage to Australia, which still was okay. But then they thought, oh, why don't we make it a point system? And you can get these points for these types of strings. You can get these points if you buy whatever their other products were, like, I don't know, guitar straps or what other bits and pieces. And let's start a rewards catalogue. So you can still get the T-shirts, but you can get other paraphernalia. And as a result of all that, the basic attraction and the give-back formula for the T-shirts just was not worth my while anymore. And so for the first time in years, I thought, oh, I wonder what other strings are out, th- out there. And I pretty quickly found some strings which were cheaper and better. <laughs> and I've never bought that – I won't name the brand – I've never bought um, that original um, brand of strings ever again. And so had they not tinkered with that formula, then I, I, would, have, I would have still been buying the strings and collecting the T-shirts. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned as well, there was a, I won't name the loyalty program, but there was a program where they wanted to um, introduce a new structure and they brought in some very well-paid consultants who then didn't actually understand how the program worked that they just designed. Yes. And there were a few uh, interesting dynamics at play there. The retailer concern did engage uh, an international consulting group and whether the retailer felt they wanted to get value for money or from the consulting group or whether the consulting group thought, oh, we have to come up with something innovative, in inverted commas, but the result was that what should have been a very straightforward loyalty proposition ended up being a very complicated tier structure, one of those tier structures where the earning rate also varies by tier, and it was a complicated mess. And when it became clear that the marketing staff at the retailer actually didn't understand the structure of the program either, then that was a pretty loud uh, warning bell that maybe this was not the best um, structure. The the happy news was that 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 was realised not too far down the track and it reverted to uh, a simpler structure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the if the staff can't even understand it, then customers have no chance, uh, and so oh, exactly. it's not going to be a very effective program. Which brings in the allied topic of simplicity helps at point of sale. So if someone new to the country walks into a cold supermarkets and says, "Flybys, what's that?" You need at that point of sale in a very short time and very simply to be able to sum up in a sentence or two how it works. Not go away, read this brochure, and Good luck if you can understand it. It's interesting that you say that about retail programs, how, you know, keeping it simple is better. But then if we look at airline and hotel programs, for example, like they have complicated status tiers and they're very complicated programs. I mean, you spend hours just explaining the full the full ins and outs of Qantas Frequent Flyer or Velocity or one of those programs, for example, or like World of Hyatt. But the status tiers in that case are kind of a core component of the loyalty program and they're quite effective at encouraging spend, uh, their members to spend more and give them a higher share of wallets. So I guess why, why do you think it works so well for some of those travel programs but not so much for retailers? Well, I'm going to have to uh, publish a loyalty moment on tiering, which will be called something like my loyalty program ended in tiers. <laughs> but I've looked at power of status credits for frequent flyer programs and my observation, without being an expert, 
is that they work very, very, very well at that intersection between silver and gold and and probably further up between gold and whatever because that's where you see what could be irrational behaviour, the status runs and all that kind of uh, stuff where people seem to be acting irrationally in, a, in an economic sense to either gain tier or maintain tier. And so... I can see that that dynamic for a proportion of frequent flyers really works. Even in the frequent flyer sphere, I'd say it works much less well between bronze and silver. And that leads me to my view on how tiering doesn't work in a retail setting because you need to have the lure of what people actually get when they get to the gold tier or the silver tier. And tiering, to my previous point, it is a complication. Why have a separate currency of status credits alongside points? Now, they both serve a purpose in frequent flyer programs, but it's almost the sole case. And I think, again, just for silver going to gold, gold going to platinum, whatever, you know, I look at some of the retail uh, programs and and I see, well, even with the frequent flyer programs, I see the silver tier as a real problem. Because too many of these programs, you don't get enough going from bronze to silver. And that's probably because there are too many people achieving a a silver tier. So why give yourself the hassle of pushing people up and down tiers? Now, in a flybys sense, I was asked many a time, why don't they have gold cards for flybys members? Well, first of all, you know, what might be a gold customer for Coles might not be a gold customer for Target. but Here's the thing. Each of the coalition partners has it within their gift to treat a cohort of their customers in a gold way. So Flybys could send a communication to the top 100 Target customers in Australia with a message from Target saying, we love you. Here's a special gift for you for just being a fantastic Target customer. You can achieve in that sense a lot of the special treats and, hey, this makes you feel special stuff that's associated with the gold status without the complication of, hey, please tear up your gold card. Here's the silver card. We've demoted you. And, you know, one of one of the unfortunate consequences of having tears is the message when you have to tell someone you used to be really important, now you're less important. And how do you how do you give that message without making people you know feel not so great? Yeah, it's not a, not a very nice conversation to have with people. <laughs> and I mean, realistically, I don't see how a supermarket chain could offer like silver, gold, or platinum benefits. I did um, in April Fool's Day last year actually write an article about Woolworths introducing elite status tiers as a joke, and you know we t- looked at things like priority checkout lanes and personalised welcome, different coloured shopping bags, uh, guaranteed availability of toilet paper for platinum members things like that but um actually as it happens it was one of the most popular articles i wrote last year it got a very very high amount of clicks but i'm not sure if it was people could just um if they're excited by the idea or if they just thought it was ridiculous um probably probably the latter i mean it's i guess it's a bit easier for an airline to offer lounges and things than a supermarket but um another loyalty moment you shared was the idea that schemes are for scheming you gave the example for example of a coffee card where you were buying a medium coffee uh, each time and then you got to the free one and they would only let you redeem the free one for a, a small coffee schemes are for scheming I, I i got really quite annoyed when the ACCC did their report in 2009 and called them schemes because schemes 
does bring up the word scheming and must be run by people who are schemers. And you know, it's this, it's, it's this concept of just be genuine and honest with your offers and be clear about what you're offering. Never, never admit the gotcha that's buried in T's and C's. And this was the example in its, in its simplest uh, sense with the coffee card and uh, the coffee place that I was going to that had the classic get the eighth coffee free. They knew every morning I ordered a medium latte. And when I got my eighth one and I handed the card, I said, oh, look, I think this is a free one. And that's when they came in with the gotcha. Oh, you only get a small coffee for your free one. And sure enough, down in the fine print, it did say that. But then don't say buy eight coffees, get one free when it's not the one you have been getting. <laughs> the person serving me the coffee said, oh, look, look after you just this once. And I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, and every time I ask for it. But then, you know, I, I stopped going altogether because guess what? There were you know, handy alternatives, you know, not far away. And it just, it was avoidable and poor form. And, you know, loyalty programs just should never be in that space. Absolutely. I do love those coffee, you know, stamp cards, buy seven, get one free, that kind of thing. It's just, it seems like a really simple on the face of it loyalty program, you know, um, it, you can see the reward quite easily. It's easy to use. Um, but then again, like I had an example recently at a local bakery where um, I bought my loaves of bread, got to the free one, and then I got to the free one and they said, oh, sorry, your card expired last week. And sure enough, printed <laughs> on the back in tiny fine print was an expiry day and they yeah. didn't honor it. So haven't been back there, but at a local cafe, recently also i got to the free one i normally buy a small coffee and i ordered a small coffee at the free one and the guy kind of laughed at me and he's like this is free why don't you get a large you like like i was an idiot so (laughs) i guess it could work both ways it's the reverse but you you also shared um when when you were working in melbourne you had quite a choice of coffee shops and you actually decided to make your main coffee shop the one that didn't have a loyalty card why was that this this is the example of when you think about the various elements that make up Um, your loyalty to a particular establishment. In the case of coffee, the transactional basis of buy in, get one free is just one element in why you go there. And yeah, the story was a number of years ago when I probably had about six places in the city that I could walk to fairly easily. When I went to Walters, the proprietor, when I walked in, he'd go, here comes Lucky Phil. Like he knew me. And it was a, you know, kind of heartwarming entrance. He made good coffee, and it was the it was the days of cash, so it's going back a bit. And he had an honour system, so you just he had this table with notes and coins on it, and he trusted you to uh, put down your cash and take whatever change you needed. And the place just had such a vibe. Uh, yet it was the only one of those six that didn't have a coffee card. But gosh, there was no way I, you know, I was going to uh, go anywhere else because he he had the lot. In, in terms of just great place to visit, great coffee, you know, why would you go anywhere else? I guess there's a lesson there then with businesses. Like you don't necessarily need a loyalty program, even though I know I know you're a loyalty program guy, but it's not it's not the be all and end all, right? Well, that's right. And, you know, for Walters, it never occurred to them to say, oh, gosh, everyone else got a coffee card. We need to have one too. And, and that should be the last reason that you have a, a loyalty program is the Me Too effect. They're not for the faint-hearted, and to do it properly, uh, it's expensive. It's a big commitment, and you see the class of programs that just seem to indicate, well, they're kind of committed, but not really, and so you end up with uh, a clunky program that uh, doesn't quite work, 
and you think, why did they bother? Better to have no program than to have one that is poor or you know poorly thought out or not supported by an organisation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just finally, Phil, uh, if we look at it from the other perspective, from the perspective of a member of a loyalty program, do you have any tips for um, for loyalty program members to get more out of programs just generally? Yeah, don't read the fine print and, and, and find free money examples like the dog can example. <laughs> That's a comment from a loyalty program operator. I'd say, you know, I, I, if I think about the interactions I go through because I like joining loyalty programs to see how they talk to me, how they use my information. So I'd say choose carefully, but with a lot of programs, are you better at being a member of seven programs where you're hardly doing anything with any of those retailers than being in a handful of programs where you actually, it's it's a funny way to say it, but, but, you know, look at the offers closely and see how you can fast track your points, for example, and that's the way that you'll get the most out of it. I think give the retailer a go, but but uh, you know be prepared to um, exit quickly if you think that they the, the operator is uh, not doing the right things with your data, or really not picking up the signals about your shopping behaviour uh, and therefore communicating properly to you. A good program will be making offers that are attractive, relevant, timely to you, not spraying and praying and sending offers on baby and toddler products to a, a household that doesn't have babies and toddlers and, and those kinds of things. Well, I've learned a new phrase, spraying and praying. Phil, <laughs> Phil Hawkins, thanks very much for joining me on the AFF on Air podcast again. It's been great to have you on. Uh, it's a pleasure, Matt. Thanks for your time. Well, I hope you enjoyed something a bit different for today's episode. I will continue chatting on this podcast over the coming months to Australians who've travelled to different destinations overseas, uh, including coming up someone who's recently been to Thailand and the Philippines, Um, but not necessarily in every episode, so I think it's good to break things up a bit. In case you'd like to hear more about another overseas destination in the meantime, I can talk to you this episode about Switzerland because uh, I'm currently in Switzerland. I flew here this week. Um, I flew with Singapore Airlines to Singapore and then onwards with Swiss International Airlines to Zurich and I have to say that the whole experience was much easier than I anticipated. The flights were both reasonably full but not crowded and I was quite surprised to find that I didn't need any paperwork at all other than my COVID vaccination certificate to leave Australia or to transit through Singapore or to enter Switzerland. Switzerland removed most of its COVID restrictions a few weeks ago actually other than the requirement to wear a, a face mask on public transport. And life is pretty much back to normal on the ground here. You wouldn't even really know there was a pandemic except for the occasional um, person wearing a mask. Restaurants are full, people are out and about enjoying their lives and COVID's no longer front of mind. I'll be spending the next few months in Europe, so it'll be good to see what things are like in other parts of Europe soon. But so far, I'd have to say it's a very welcome change over here. And um, if there was ever a good time to come to Switzerland for a holiday, now would seem like a pretty good time. Before we left Singapore, one of the flight attendants welcomed the passenger sitting in front of me on board um, on the Swiss flight, and um, it was a bit interesting. The passenger immediately asked the flight attendant whether we'd be flying over Russia, I guess a sign of the times, but happily the flight attendant was immediately able to say that no, we weren't. I can only assume that this is definitely not the first time that she's been asked this recently. Anyway, that's all for this episode of AFF On Air. Thanks again to my guest, Phil Hawkins, and thanks for listening. 
For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to the AFF on Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, where you're welcome to discuss the podcast or ask me a question to be answered in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd take just a minute to review AFF on Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, safe travels. Listener.